Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This time looking at Mid-South Wrestling Television from March 26, 1983, as taped on March 16th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, and joining me for this journey as he does each and every week, he's your friend and mine, Mike Mills. Mike, how's it going? Doing good, doing good. I need a need a um, data retraction real quick. I had last week at the top of the show talked about them recapping the two in Olympia segment uh, from the previous week, uh, which would have been two weeks ago from this one. I, I got my lines crossed, uh, you know, because I had watched them kind of consecutively. It is actually this week where we get a recap of two in the Olympia segment with the suitcase busting open and whatnot. So my fault, my bad. All those tweets. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I got I, I messed up. So there it is. Anyway, this should be another fun week. We got a lot going down this week with Duggan and Watts, and just some fun stuff for us to discuss on another action-packed week of the Mid-South Television Review Show. Well, let's go right to the show open. Cowboy Bill Watts with, still in green, Boyd Pierce. Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of things coming up in the next 60 minutes. We hope you'll stay with us. The Black Ninja, Kendo Nagasaki, is here. Also, you'll see... The Junkyard Dog in the ring against the Oriental Star, the Golden Dragon. Tag team action at its very best. The new title holders of the Mid-South Tag Team Belts, Mr. Rasting Two and his partner Tiger Conway Jr. against the rugged twosome of Hacksaw Jim Dugan and Matt Bourne. Also the little midget stars. Four of the top midgets in the world are here. But the man to tell you about some interesting items before the matches, our guest commentator, Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, thank you, Boyd. And it's always great to have the television stations in the Mid-South area also enjoy our wrestling program. And, of course, Buddy Nichols, the sports director at KALB Channel 5 in Alexandria, was entranced and enthralled by Andre the Giant, as is everybody that meets the man. He's seven four, 485 pounds, an awesome man. And let's watch this film clip that Buddy Nichols put together. And from there, Mike, we get some video from KALB in Alexandria, Louisiana, a little video package for Andre the Giant that Buddy Nichols did. I am assuming it aired on the news because he was the sports director. Nothing really big there. He talks a little bit with Andre. They show clips of Andre in Mid-South. Any thoughts or notes about any of this? The only thing I had from it was the boots. I love the visual of the Andre's boot in, I guess, a regular size boot. I thought that was good. You know, you show how big of a man this is. Look at this boot. But I don't have anything from it. The video package was pretty cool. And, hey, I mean, think about it. That's a nice little video package to make the, the news. Or, like you said, let's assume it was the sports segment where they showed it. You can't beat that, man. Mid-South Wrestling got a segment on the local sports news. You probably wouldn't see that nowadays for the most part on your uh, on your local sports news, a segment on on wrestling, especially your, your territory wrestling like this was back in the day. So that was kind of cool that they did the Andre segment. Well, coming out of that, we get back to the desk, Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce, and they shoot us to an interview that Bill Watts did with Hacksaw Duggan to talk a little bit about some of the goings-on with the Rat Pack and Skandar Akbar. We also get some footage here of Kamala versus Tony Atlas from Houston, Texas, February 11th, 83, with Jim Duggan doing commentary. Let's play all this. This is some interesting stuff. Crosses him is Hacksaw Duggan, probably the most colorful and most independent 
and the wildest of the Rat Pack. And I interviewed Hacksaw Dugan and asked him about a match recently in Houston, and these were his comments. As a member of the Rat Pack, proud, in a lot of way, a proud member of the Rat Pack, excuse me, in a lot of ways you've also maintained an identity of your own and, and an independence of your own. On February the 9th, right here on Mid-South Wrestling, Andre the Giant, the eighth wonder of the world, and Mr. USA Tony Atlas teamed up to wrestle DiBiase and Bourne for the Mid-South Tag Titles. You came to their aid, and at the same time, Kamala and Akbar came involved, and Kamala attacked viciously Andre the Giant right here. When we interviewed the victorious, and I put that in quotes and tongue-in-cheek, team with you on the scene, the Rat Pack, on the 16th of February, you seemed to get very concerned with DiBiase that maybe he had enlisted Skandar Akbar to bring Kamali in on Andre the Giant, and you seemed to want the Rat Pack to maintain an identity and an independence and not be associated with Akbar and his foreign oil holdings and his former association with the Iranian Iron Sheik. And then yet on the 25th of February in Houston, Texas, when Tony Atlas, Mr. USA, was against Kamala, the man that came and caused Mr. USA Tony Atlas to lose that match was you. Now, what is your involvement with Skandar Akbar? Well, first, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. I don't want to put my nose in anybody else's business. What Andre the Giant and the Ugandan warrior had going, that's between them. What me and Tony Atlas have going, that's between us. One thing is for sure, though, for personal reasons that I don't need to go into right now, for personal reasons, I don't have nothing to do with Skandar Akbar or anybody else from that part of the country or part of the world. There's very personal reasons to go deep set in my family for this. Now, I go out and had this match that you're talking about. I had it, my job, my, my responsibility is to take care of my business, and my business is Tony Atlas. Now, I don't care if it was Akbar or whoever it was in the ring. I was going after Atlas. He's the man that I wanted. Well, we'll watch the closing moments of that grueling match, the 25th of February in Houston, Texas, where Atlas was against Kamala, and you entering the ring, which caused Atlas to lose the bout. This is the closing final moments of it, and would you narrate that? Yeah, I'd like to take a look at this myself. As you can see here, that's Mr. Big Guns, Tony Atlas, as I like to call him, start laying in some big right hands on the, the warrior there. But as you can see, big arms don't always have the right effect on a strong man. you got to know where to, to place them punches. There's, there's a couple good blows, but that warrior, the creature that he is, he keeps coming back, coming back, and coming. Well, I dropped him there one knee, of course. With arms like that, he should be able to. A big head, but I know how that is myself. I've found a few stitches there. But as you can see there, he's very acrobatical, getting up in the air, jumping around, but still no effect on the uh, the warrior. Well, right here must have been when you saw your opportunity when Jerry Escher well, my opportunity, out My opportunity, my opportunity is any time I get in the ring with Tony Ellis. Just so happens right here, this seemed like an uh, opportune time for me to come across. Look at that spear there. That's something I picked up from the old NFL days. I'm trying to take care of my business. And I'm trying to communicate with this man from overseas to control this warrior, to get a hold of somebody and get some business taken care of here. I'm trying to get him to look, at least look at Akbar, acknowledge his, his commander or whatever you call it. Trying to hold him up. Now I'm going to set and finish this job once and for all. It should have been happening a long time ago. And there's a fine example of what happens when you count on somebody from another part of the world. He can't even control his old man. The, the, Kamala's his days. Atlas, after my running into Kamala, is taking advantage of me. Atlas, in essence, is whipping both of you right here. He's taking advantage of me. It's no credit to Atlas. I was dazed from running into that warrior, but the uh, Akbar is supposed to take care of. Atlas is taking advantage of that situation. That's all that is. 
Well, it's a credit to Tony Atlas that he's even able to continue this battle because of you getting him from behind. But right now, he Thank seems you. to be really trying to gather himself together for to take care of Kamala. And again, Jerry Usher, who was stunned, getting up and getting back in the way. It's just too much outside interference. Well, yeah, you might call it a credit, but as you can see, the credit doesn't seem to pay off here as Tony Atlas is laying helpless on the ropes. He's beat to a pulp right now. Now, if Akbar can control that giant, he'd put him on his back and pin him and finish him one, two, three. But no, he doesn't have no control over him at all. As you can see, I'm still dazed from running into that big man in the first place. Akbar doesn't know what he's doing. He has no control of this person. Well, the awesome Kamala. It seems almost impossible to put him down, and yet Tony Atlas finally does. And there you are again trying to come back into the picture. And Atlas catches you and slams you off the top ring rope. Look at that. Look at that. Down. Yeah, how about those tactics? Where you see the referee, nobody's doing anything about that. Atlas, that's a tight man he is, choking, and again, chopping on 385 somebody. 385 pounds catches him from behind, and you run for cover. And the referee... I, I don't know if I'd call that running for cover. I may say I left the scene, but I wouldn't use the words running for cover. And as you can see, what I attempted to do seemed to have paid off very well. Because it looks just, like Kamala may be ready to go after you because well, of that spear. Let me tell you, there's, a, there's an example right there, that turban or whatever you want to call him, running around outside the ring. He can't control that man at all. And oh. Jerry Usher going to what was a, then the official count in Houston, a 20 count on the floor that counts Tony Atlas out of that. the ring. That Look count that. has now been reduced as in all Mid-South arenas to a 10 count, but Kamala, That's uncontrollable savage, sensing the victory, not knowing almost who he has the victory against. You a member of the Rat Pack or against... He, has no, he has no victory over the Rat Pack. Let me tell you that you right know, now. One thing that bothers me, Hacksaw Dugan, if Atlas is your business wherever he goes, Chavo Guerrero has upset you here. Yeah, on Chavo Guerrero, he he's, he's in under my skin a little well, too. But as you know, Chavo Guerrero is, is not nearly half the man that uh, this Kamala or this Atlas or anybody else is. He's a little teeny man that likes to fly around. And those kind of tactics don't work well against a big, strong person. What are your comments about the newcomer that will be here on Mid-South Wrestling next week. Hacksaw. Yeah, you Bruce better. Uh, Hacksaw Bruce Reed, let me tell you something, Bill Watts. Let me tell the people one thing. There's only one Hacksaw in Mid-South, and this Bruce Reed, he may have trouble making it to the arena. He have, may have trouble getting out of, off the plane. Well, there you see a victory, if you can call it a victory, by three men with an outside helper of the Rat Pack. And, of course, for a man that says that he's not associated with Akbar, there's a little bit of stink phone. in Denmark, I think. We'll be right back. Well, there we hear it, a segment with Hacksaw Duggan and Bill Watts where he explains some of the things that are going on, some of his feelings without really saying too much about why he doesn't like Akbar and people, as he put it, from that part of the world. And also his narration of Kamala versus Tony Atlas. Any thoughts on all this, Mike? Well, I think the big point here, Duggan maintains his claims that he has nothing to do with Akbar and the Middle East or that part of the world. You saw right there, Duggan tried to take it, or you heard right there, Duggan tried to take advantage of a situation, but uh, it didn't work out well for for him uh, because, like, that. I don't know if you want me to recap the whole thing, but, you know, when Watts threw it to the closing of that match with Atlas versus Kamala from Houston, you know, Duggan runs in the, when the referee gets knocked down and Duggan gets goes for a spear on Atlas while Kamala is holding Atlas, but Atlas move and Duggan ends up spearing Kamala instead, and Atlas then punches Duggan a few times and sends him out the ring and another ref bump happens. It's just, it's, it's a chaotic situation in the long run. Uh, it, it, Kamala ends up winning that match by count out when Atlas can't get back into the ring, just some, some really insane stuff. And then 
Duggan at the end calls out Butch Reed, but he says Bruce Reed too. There's only room for one hacksaw in Mid-South Wrestling, and I guess we'll leave it at that. I don't know, Brian, did I miss anything there other than uh, the important part with Duggan claiming he has nothing to do with the people from the Middle East, including Akbar? I think that was the important stuff. And from there, Mike, we move on to something you'd mentioned at the top of the show and something we talked about last week. I said that I thought it was weird that they didn't really discuss this much. Maybe it's because they didn't want to overshadow Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tiger Conway's tag team title victory. But we're going to play a few different segments of audio here in and around recaps and clips of the Mr. Wrestling 2, Mr. Olympia kerfluffle, for lack of a better word. Let's start right now with Bill Watts setting it up. Boyd Pierce, two weeks ago here in Mid-South Wrestling's television taping, a very unusual, explosive incident happened in the dressing room that carried out over into the studio floor between Mr. Wrestling 2 and Mr. Olympia, an incident that I thought Mr. Wrestling 2 was way off base. However, events that have since transpired have definitely proved that I was wrong and Wrestling 2 was right. Let's watch what happened. Well, there's the first setup to what was Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tiger Conway Jr. at the desk with Bill Watts, which led to them showing the clip of the confrontation with Mr. Wrestling 2 and Mr. Olympia. The big difference here is Bill Watts is now basically accepting, this is true, despite the denials, Mr. Olympia has been the guy harassing and stalking Mr. Wrestling 2. What do you think of that opening clip there, Mike? Well, what it does is it sets the hook of, wait, well, well hold on. So you're going to throw us to a recap, but we, we never, what do, you, what do you mean now you believe two and not olympia like well, where where's that all coming from and i think that's the important thing here because he didn't say why he just threw it to the replay of the confrontation of of the promo and then the confrontation that the cameraman caught with the suitcase where olympia you know two throws a suitcase at olympia it bust open and it's two stuff in there and olympia immediately jumps to try to hide it all why is watts saying now that he believes two and not olympia that's something that you know, we need a. I, for one, at this stage, I need to hear more about and need to learn more about from Watts. So we get the recap of the confrontation with Mr. Wrestling 2 and Mr. Olympia. And then we're going to get the recap of Bill Watts interviewing Mr. Olympia at ringside with the suitcase. But before we go there, here's another clip of Bill Watts setting it up. You can see how upset and irate Wrestling 2 was. And I cautioned him patience and stood up for Mr. Olympia, who I've thought I knew and that I had watched wrestle for a long time. Turned out wrestling too was right and I owe him apology. But let's listen to the new Judas Iscariot of the wrestling world, Mr. Olympia, make his denial. Well, Bill Watts goes all the way in. The new Judas of wrestling, Mr. Olympia. Yeah, but again, he's not telling us why. Like why what what other evidence is there other than I mean because let me let me repeat this is nothing new we're seeing the same replay of the incident that happened on the floor of the Iris McNeil where the suitcase busted open and then we're seeing the same replay that Olympia had with Watts where two is well, I'm sorry where Olympia is saying yes Bill that's my suitcase and then Watts was says you care to explain this and Olympia says. I can't explain it. I I, this, I had nothing to do with this, but that is my suitcase. And he's just stringing us along. Like, I don't know how all this stuff got in here. But Watts is saying, you know, not only is he guilty, but he's the new Judas. So <laughs> we got to, I mean, 
something's got to break. Wax, tell us something because you're not really telling us why you all of a sudden feel two is the man who is correct here in his claims and Olympia is the devil now all of a sudden. So I need to know more where what's what's going on. And that's where I'm at. And the clip they go to is Bill Watts interviewing Mr. Olympia ringside and kind of being sympathetic, kind of at least I don't know if sympathetic is the right word, but Bill Watts is open to hearing what Mr. Olympia has to say. He's open to allowing Mr. Olympia to explain himself. But then coming out of that, let's go to the desk one more time, Bill Watts. A very indignant, wronged, supposedly Mr. Olympia. What a treacherous person. We'll show you next week just how all this developed. But first, these messages from Mid-South Wrestling Network. Well, there you hear it, a treacherous person. More information next week, Mike. Yeah, I, I just, he's, look, he did well, right? Watts did something right there over the course of those kind of three sound clips we played where it's like, look, I know something we're going to show, but let me show you what you may have missed two weeks ago and stay tuned next week because we're really going to break the news then and I'll, I'll show you where we're at. So he just set the hook. You better be here next week to see what goes down. Coming out of that, we get another match. Actually, our first match this week. The Black Ninja Kendo Nagasaki versus Mike Jackson with Alfred Neely as the referee. Let's play a little bit of audio here to continue on what we're already talking about. Bill Watts on Mr. Olympia. I guess I'm still reflecting and so disappointed in Mr. Olympia. I, I, I asked him two or three times, is the suitcase yours? And he said, yes, it's mine. And there was that evidence that he had been the man definitely trying that type of mental warfare on Mr. Wrestling 2. And I don't blame Mr. Wrestling 2 for being so irate, so explosively angry. There's a collision there. I know a lot of the fans didn't want to see. I didn't think and see, but I guess when you reflect on it, well, there goes Kendo Nagasaki as he's taking the major. Bill Watts' thoughts are cut off by the finish of this match, which is Kendo Nagasaki defeating Mike Jackson after a thrust kick. Mike, any thoughts about the match or more specifically the tone of Bill Watts and him going back to the disappointment he has now, the disappointment he feels towards Mr. Olympia? You nailed it. It's not what he's saying. It's how he's saying it. The tone is almost a tone of defeat, disappointment. Just, I can't believe what has happened. It's the tone tells the story and not the words that he's saying, but he's not telling us why he's so upset and angry and defeated by what he all of a sudden knows. So, that said, we need to wait to see more and hear more maybe next week, maybe later in this week. We we got to stay tuned. There's no other way to put it. We got to stay tuned to see why Bill Watts is, is so down on, you know, Olympia right now. Coming out of that, Mike, we get another match. The Golden Dragon versus the Junkyard Dog with Rick Ferreira as the referee. I have a few notes here. Another standoff between Kendo Nagasaki and the Junkyard Dog before the match. When the dog is standing up straight, it's not as noticeable. But when he crouches down, his weight gain is becoming more and more obvious. Yeah, you can see it with his with his uh, trunks, the way he's got him pulled up above his belly button, and then he leans over, and you can see the you can see the stomach. 
Uh, he, he's uh, look by no means. He's not the he's not as Dave Meltzer called him the junk food dog right now, but he's gaining. You can see it. It's you can't hide it. And um, it's now in hindsight, knowing how big he ended up getting. It's kind of sad because like we've talked about, you see the beginning of it. Now, we didn't realize it at the time. We realize it more now. But it's it's kind of sad when you think about it, when you think about how jacked he was, you know, a year, year and three, four months ago at this point. A big pop from the crowd when he hits the thumb. Like I said, this is a hot taping. The crowd was really into last week's show and this week's show. Yeah, they put more. Um, I don't we didn't we didn't really talk about this. You know, the left side of the ring where they put the chairs out, the rows of chairs out that that side didn't have anybody out, I believe, last week. And they've 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 now got a couple of rows of chairs out now. So uh, more people are in the building. And like you said, the crowd is hot. It's JYD, man. When he yeah, if you think back to all of the tapings that we've covered so far, I don't know if there's been a real moment where when JYD comes out or JYD does anything or he hits the thump or headbutts or whatever he does, any of his old moves that the crowd is not into it. I mean, he's, he's the dog. He was the promotion at this point in time. Coming out of that match, which once again, the JYD wins with the thump. We get the super destroyer versus Joe Stark with Alfred Neely as the referee. I'd like to hear any notes you have about this match, Mike. The one that I had was at one point, and I don't know exactly what did it, Joe Stark's nose gets busted. I don't know if it's a broken nose or what, but starts out with a little blood. It ends up with a lot of blood. The blood gets all over the arm of the Super Destroyer. Did you see what happened? I didn't. I noticed it. And at first, when I saw it, I thought that the Super Destroyer actually had cut his arm the way he went down at his arm. And he, he the, I don't know, he, he looks like, I thought, I was like, did the Super Destroyer cut his arm? Because you can see the blood dripping from it. And then I realized, wait, that's not Super Destroyer's blood. That's Joe Starks' blood dripping from his arm. So I, I I went back and tried to watch. I still don't know how it actually happened. Uh, it doesn't take much, though, to bloody a nose, to be honest. It could have been just a small hit, you know, hand hit it, arm hit it mistakenly. It, you know, because he had him in, in like a, a headlock for a second. And I'm just wondering if something like he just bumped his nose there and he just started bleeding. I, I don't know. But, yeah, he, he definitely had a bloody nose and it just seemed like it came out of nowhere. The fans really are into the superplex. Oh, yeah, that's that move. The the only disappoint. I mean, I, this in, when he did it in world class, it, it looked actually even more devastating because that damn world class ring at this point did not move. It didn't budge, but they are really into it. And I mean, for its time, 1983, that superplex was pretty, pretty devastating looking, man, to to take a man and, and suplex him from from there and have him hit. It it really sounded off in the arenas when when he would when he would hit that move. So I can see why. I mean, I thought it was I always thought it was a, I still think it's a cool move to this day, especially when they do it off the top, but yeah, man, it was a that was a pretty devastating move back in the day when you hit the superplex. Well, the thing I like about his is he picks you up for a suplex and he puts you on the rope and does it as opposed to too many times you see guys on the ropes and they start moving their legs to get into position to take a bump and it always takes me out of it. Like when someone's going to do a hurricane rano off the top rope and the opponent, the guy who's actually taking the move, he has to like move his legs around so they don't get caught up in the ropes when he does it. To me, that's like a telltale sign. Like, okay, here it comes. And I hate that. I hate feeling that when watching a wrestling match. With the Super Destroyer, he pounds his opponent, picks him up for a suplex, places him there, and then hits it. And it always looks good. 
Yeah, there's something to what you said. I, I, that's a good point. I'm glad you said that and cleared that up because Joe Stark is literally sitting on the back of the turnbuckle. His legs are limp. They're not in position to where it looks like, okay, I'm getting ready to take the superplex. And what it, what makes it look so devastating is Super Destroyer actually looks like it's a physical struggle to muscle him up to get him over for it, which is very impressive in itself, the way he arches his back, muscles Joe Stark over, and then hits him with it. Coming out of that match, Mike, we get a big tag team match. The Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tiger Conway Jr. versus, from the Rat Pack, Matt Bourne and Hacksaw Duggan. I don't think we've ever seen these two team up together on Mid-South TV. Rick Ferreira is the referee. This is a non-title match. The Super Destroyer, who teamed up with Hacksaw Duggan last week, is sitting at ringside. Any thoughts about the match, Mike? Yeah, just Super D, Destroyer, is sitting at ringside. He seems to be doing some scouting. This was the first time that I noticed that one of the side plates is no longer on one of the tag belts. And this is going to go on for a while, obviously, until they get the new tag belts eventually. But there are there's a missing side plate on one of the tag belts. I hadn't noticed it up until this point. And I was wondering when it happened as we were rewatching this. But um, that's the only thing. Oh, one other thing. Watts does mention uh, Duggan questioning DiBiase about his involvement with Akbar. And he talks more about Duggan and Reed. So Watts is still Watts is still planting that seed about about you know, what's going on here with these guys, you know, is, is, is Akbar, you know, funneling money through the Rat Pack? What's this association? Is there one? So he brings that up and he keeps planting that seed so that we don't forget about it. But that's all I had. Let's play some audio of the closing minutes of this match. One note I will make, you may remember last week, Jim Duggan teamed up or Hacksaw Duggan teamed up with the Super Destroyer and the fans were really behind them. They were really popping for them. Keep that in mind as things transpire here. Let's go to this. He stays geared. He's at a low boil all the time. And he's popping that knee lift. And he just double leg dives and drives him into that turnbuckle. There's Hacksaw Dugan coming and Matt Bar. I mean, Tiger Conway firing in. All four men in there. And both men from both teams illegal in there. Boy, Rick Ferrara can't disqualify either team. And it's broken down into a battle there. And Tiger Conway falls out on the floor to the backside of the ring. And Russell, too, doesn't see he's fighting Hacksaw Dugan. And he catches Dugan with a knee lift. And Matt Bourne drives a knee into Russell, too's back. Matt Bourne's got Russell, too, hurting. Rick Ferrara telling Hacksaw Dugan to get out. And then he intercepts Tiger Conway. And then while the referee is out of the picture, there goes Dick with a spear. But wrestling two got out of the way. And Matt Bourne is laid level knee lift by two. Drop kick by Tiger Conway and Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne just got connected. His head almost taken off. And the tag champions win the match. And look at that crowd, boys. They're going wild as Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tiger Conway Jr., the Mid-South Tag Team Champions, take the measure of Axel Dugan and Matt Bourne. We'll be back with the Midgets in a tag team mount after this important message from Mid-South Wrestling. Hot finish to that match, Mike. The fans are really, really into it. When Tiger Conway's knocked on the floor, there are fans. You can see some girls just jumping up and down and screaming. 
to get back in the ring and help. Good finish, good match. Fans really into it. Any thoughts? I, I don't want to repeat what you're saying, but I'm going to. The fans, when two and Conway win, I mean, they're, they're up and excited at this finish because it's a lot of moving parts, so they're enjoying it. But when two goes down and pins Bourne, man, the fans are clapping, they're cheering. The girls on the outside are clapping and cheering. This crowd is alive and well, and they are loving what they just saw from two and Conway. A lot of moving parts at that finish, too. I mean, Bourne and, and Duggan start double teaming two, and Bourne is holding two for Duggan. Duggan goes for the spear, but two ducks it. And if you really go back and watch when two ducks, it looks like Duggan's, Duggan's right forearm nails Matt Bourne in the jaw and he clocks him. And that's where then two ends up hitting hitting Bourne with that knee lift and goes down for the pin. Just really, really good finish, man. And uh, another, I got a little small joke if I want to call it one, but Duggan lately with the spear if he was a baseball, you know, batter, he's hit, he's hitting about 100 on the spear. He keep, <laughs> he keeps missing his target. It's kind of funny, and I'm I'm saying it tongue in cheek. It's it's good, but this was really, really, really a nice hot finish. Lots of moving parts, but you know, Duggan hits accidentally hits Bourne at the end, and hmm, we'll have to see how that all shakes out in a second. Well, we're gonna see how that shakes out. Again, I remind you, Jim Duggan and the Super Destroyer were really over last week, even though they were heels. Now they are at the desk with Bill Watts to recap something that happened during a commercial break. Let's go to this. The cameras will continue to rolling during the commercial break, and one of the worst things I've ever seen happen during the commercial break, an argument Let's between you and Matt Bourne. Let's look at that now. was the reason what, what was, was the, the reason you know darn well what was the reason where was those tag team belts when me and matt Bourne came out here they were on mr wrestling number two and tiger conway jr myself and ted dibiase masterminded this plan well we can't go any further wait. right now yeah. we were supposed to have the midget match we'll tape it and we'll have it we'll for you next week be sure to tune in to mid-south wrestling next week boy they're teasing this midget match like it's episode 100 <laughs> of their podcast or something Mike. <laughs> What do you think of this at the end? I mean, there's one woman in yellow in the front row that's losing her mind. She's jumping up and down and screaming. She's so happy that Duggan and the Super Destroyer are double teaming on Matt Bourne. But there wasn't commentary. Can you describe what happened? Give me your thoughts. Well, well, first off, Duggan and, and Bourne get into a shoving match, and then Bourne pushes Duggan real, real hard and shoves him off. And it, then Bourne's like, I'm getting out of here. I ain't got time for this crap. And as he does that, Duggan comes out and just double axe handles Bourne across the back. That woman in yellow, if you ever wanted to see an image of me the night the Saints won the <laughs> Super Bowl, when Tracy Porter... <laughs> when Tracy Porter picked off... 
Peyton Manning in Miami, Florida in February of 2010, and the Saints were basically Super Bowl champions. That was me jumping up and down in my living room, going absolutely nuts at that. And that was that woman. This woman, you got to go back and watch it if you got the network. She is going crazy when Duggan is laying it in the Bourne. She, especially once she realizes Duggan's about to attack Bourne, she is erupting, clapping, jumping up and down, arms in the air. What's the old thing that Corny said? Like, you know, old Mid-Atlantic tapes, if there was a baby, people up jumping up and down. I wish she'd had, the only thing would have made this better if she'd had a baby in her arms, jumping up and down. Because she was, it was phenomenal watching her go nuts over Duggan finally just saying, I'm tired of your crap, Matt Bourne, and just giving it to him. Super Destroyer then comes in, they're double teaming Bourne. The people are clapping. They don't care that they're double teaming born. They are they are having fun. When he superplexes born, leaves him in the ring. These people, I don't think there's a person in the audience booing. Everybody is jumping up and down, clapping and cheering, especially the woman with the yellow shirt. Hell of an ending to the show. And God darn it, Watts, stop teasing us with the freaking midgets, man. <laughs> this has gone on too long. And here's a spoiler. I don't think the midgets are here next week either. There's that. Well, the other thing is, after Super Destroyer hits the superplex, he turns to the fans and lifts his hands up like a babyface would, and they react. So, Good point. Really interesting stuff here, and like we said, no midget match once again, but with that, we close out another week of Mid-South Wrestling Television. We got to see where they go next week. Maybe more about Mr. Olympia. But until then, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at Super Podcast, and of course we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I'd appreciate it. I oftentimes post clips from these shows, some of the great segments that Brian and I cover. And then also come check out Booking the Territory twice per week at tinyurl.com slash Pod, or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. As myself, Hardbody Hopper and Doc Turner give our take on Southern classic wrestling. On Thursday nights, it's the NWA shows, Saturday night from the 80s. And on Sunday nights, it's our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps. The shows are unprofessional. We call ourselves the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast for a reason. The jokes are terrible it's not politically correct but it's still fun nonetheless as we review old school classic southern wrestling brian this was a fun show we got this thing going on with duggan now and born getting heat at the end and duggan laying it into born this is just good stuff and remember we got to stay tuned now because what the hell was watts talking about with olympia and his disappointment level so man lots of stuff and cliffhangers going on here as we head into next week and the weeks beyond that and again spoiler alert i don't think the midgets are on but stay tuned for another episode of the mid-south show in the coming weeks the mid-south wrestling television review podcast is a production of the arcadian vanguard podcast network for mike mills i'm the great brian last tally ho (laughs) 